And this is just where it ends. <laughs> And welcome to another episode of The Bike Shed, a weekly podcast from your friends at ThoughtBot about developing great software. I'm Joelle Kenville. And I'm Stephanie Man, and together we're here to share a bit of what we've learned along the way. So Stephanie, what's new in your world? So I have a small consulting win, or even just a small like win as a human being <laughs> that I want to share, which is that I feel good about a way that I handled saying no to a stakeholder recently. And, you know, I really got to take them where I can get it because that is so challenging for me. But I feel really glad because we ended up kind of coming out the other side of it, having a better understanding of each other's goals and, and needs. And, and so basically what happened was I was working on a, a task and our product owner on our team asked me if it could be done by next week. And immediately I wanted to say, Absolutely not. <laughs> but, you know, I took a second and, you know, had the wherewithal to ask why, you know, I was kind of curious, like, where was this deadline coming from? Like, what was on her radar that like, wasn't on mine? And she had shared that, oh, you know, if we were able to get it out before this big launch, um, she was thinking that it actually might make our customer support team's lives easier, because we were kind of taking away access to something before some new features rolled out and, you know, there might be some customers who, who would complain. And with that information, you know, that was really helpful in helping me understand. I'm like, yeah, like that seems like a, a helpful thing to know so I could try to strive for it because I also like want to make that process go easier as well. But I told her that I'd let her know because I honestly wasn't sure if it was possible to do by next week. And after a little bit of you know, more digging, kind of seeing how my progress was going. In the end, I had to say that I didn't feel confident that we could finish it in time for that deadline because of the other risks, right? Like I didn't want to just release this thing without feeling good about the plan that we had. And so that was my small little win in saying no. And I feel very proud of myself for it. I'm proud of you too. Well, it's not easy to just do in the first place and then to do well is a whole other level. It sounds, though, that you came out of the other side with a client with almost like a better relationship. Yeah, I think so. In general, you know, I, I really struggle with when people do end up getting into that debate of like, well, I need this and, and someone else says, well, I need this other thing. And, it, you know, at some point kind of gets a bit unproductive, right? But I think this was a very hopeful way for me to see a path forward when maybe we like have different priorities, but like, can we better understand each other in the, the impact of them to ultimately like make the best decision? The other thing that I wanted to share that I learned recently was there was a recent RailsConf talk by Ellie Meredith, and it was about strategies to say no. And I watched it. And one really cool thing that I learned was that the word priority, you know, when it was first created, it actually didn't really have like a plural form. Uh, there was really only ever like a singular priority. And it wasn't until I think, you know, the recent century or something like that, that people started to use it in a plural form. And that was really enlightening to me. I think it made me rethink the word and how I use it. And uh, it made a lot of sense too, because at any given moment, you know, really, you can't be doing 
more than one thing. I mean, you can try. <laughs> I know that I have been guilty of multitasking, but that you know doesn't always serve me. I never end up doing all of the things that I'm trying to do well. And I would be really curious to kind of, you know, when I do feel that urge, like think a little bit about like, what is the one thing that I should be doing right now that is the highest priority? I would definitely second that uh, recommendation for this talk. Uh, I actually got to see it live at RailsConf and it is excellent. So Joel, what's new in your world? I got to participate in a really fun event at ThoughtBot today. Uh, we got together with some other people on uh, the Boost team and played a few rounds of GeoGuessr. Uh, and for those who are not familiar with this game, it drops you randomly somewhere in the world in Google Street View. You can move around and there's a timer and you have to drop a pin on a map where you think you are. So you're walking through the streets and you're like, okay, well, I don't know this language. Not sure where we're going, you know, get the vibes going here, I'll bet, you know. This looks like maybe you know, southern China. And then you drop a pin and, oh no, it turns out it was actually Singapore. You know, there's all these little hints and things. People who are really into it have learned all these tricks uh, and they can be really good. Sarah Jackson, who is our, our resident GeoGuessr expert, is excellent at this. But it was a good time. Yeah, it was really fun. I liked that we played a cooperative mode where we were all kind of helping each other out. And so maybe someone is exploring on the map and, and sees a street sign and is like, oh, like that looks like this language. And someone else is like, oh yeah, like that is that. Or like, no, I think it's actually this other language. Uh, and sharing all of the the different like pieces of information that we're finding to get closer and closer to what it might be. And then we celebrate whoever ends up getting the closest. Because at some point it's kind of just like a, just a luck of the pin, right? Where maybe you happen to click on like the right place, but it's always really exciting when we're like, wow, like Sarah was only 500 kilometers away and finding the exact uh, place that we were served. So it's, I had a good time as well. So speaking of cooperative events, uh, this was a, a work event that we did. Uh, we just got together and played a game. And for me, that was a really fun way to connect with some of my colleagues. I'm curious, what are your thoughts on things that you've seen done well in companies that are remote first, that really foster a sense of connection and community among a team? I think this worked especially well today because uh, it was kind of scheduled in regular time that we have as a team to me. And sometimes, you know, the meeting topics are a bit more work focused. But what I really like is that anyone on the team can host one of these meetings. Uh, we have them biweekly. And we just call them Boost Biweeklies. Boost is the team that Joel and I are on. Naming is the hardest problem in computer science. It really is. But I really like that people can bring, you know, a little bit of their own flavor to this meeting. So whoever is host, just kind of comes up with something to do. And sometimes it's like show and tell, you know, other times it is more of a like, you know, what's the update on some of the projects that we're doing. Um, other times it's the spicy takes lightning talks that we've kind of mentioned on the podcast before. And yeah, it is just a really nice like time for us to get together. And then I also feel like I learned something about my coworkers every time that we, we meet, whether it's the person who is hosting the meeting and kind of where their interests are. Uh, I think someone even did like chair yoga once <laughs> and guided the team in doing that. Or because they are uh, more casual, right? Sometimes we just play a game and I 
really enjoyed that nice break in my day. Do you find that a particular style of these meetings makes you feel more connected to your colleagues? Do you prefer this kind of a game day one like we had today versus uh, maybe like a lightning talks or a presentation on security or something like that? I actually think the diversity is what makes it special. I get to see, you know, a bunch of different sides of of my coworkers. And, you know, some days it, the topic is a little more serious and that can be really connecting. Another Boost team member had hosted a biweekly where we kind of shared the challenges of the consulting work and like onboarding onto a new project and sharing um, what might be difficult and like how we might be feeling when when we do join a new project. And I think that was really helpful because it was very validating for something that I thought like maybe I felt a little bit more alone in and the tone was a little bit more like earnest and serious, but uh, I came away with it feeling very supported by my team. Right. And other times uh, it is just silliness and fun, (laughs) Uh, which, you know, is also important. Like we need to have fun every once in a while. That's awesome. Do you feel like when you go to these meetings, you're looking more for, knowledge or looking more for connection? I think both because knowledge sharing is also, you know, can be really helpful. Like I have enjoyed learning that, you know, so-and-so is like a geoguesser expert, Sarah, right? And so if I ever like find myself needing (laughs) someone to go to about my Google Street View or, or world geography questions, I know that I can go to her. And like knowing that about her, like makes me feel more connected to her. So I think both are true. So we have been talking about a meeting style form of connecting in a remote workplace, but I am really curious about your thoughts on asynchronous versus synchronous communication and how you find connection with a format that is more asynchronous, not just, you know, being in a meeting together. That's really challenging. I think I personally find that something that's mostly synchronous with maybe a little bit of a lag works pretty well for me. Uh, So something like Slack, where it's not exactly real time because someone can take some time to come back to me. But for working hours overlap, there's likely some close to synchronous conversation happening. But anyway, I can still get up and, you know, refill my cup of coffee or it's, it's not quite like I'm sitting in front of a camera. So I think that for many things, hits the sweet spot for myself. But there's definitely some things where I think you want a higher like information density. And that's, I think, where the, the synchronous face-to-face meeting uh, really shines. Information density. I haven't heard that phrase before, but I like it. The idea being, you know, how much information or how many words are you sharing back and forth, you know, per minute or something like that. And when you're talking on a call, you can do a lot more of that than you can going back and forth over Slack or writing an email. So I would say that at ThoughtBot, we have a pretty asynchronous Slack culture, which I think can be quite different from other you know places I've worked at before, other Slack spaces that I've seen. And I actually find it a little bit harder to engage in that way. We have a, a dev channel where, you know, people chat about different technical topics. And sometimes, you know, those threads go like 40 replies long. And I think you you tend to engage a lot more in those. And I'm curious, like, does that scratch the itch for you uh, in terms of 
that perfect like async kind of some amount of lag for you to be doing other things, kind of doing your work, but then being able to come back and pick up the conversation where I left off. Yes, that is really nice because, you know, maybe I have a meeting or something and I'm not there when the conversation starts, but I don't miss out and I get to join in, you know, maybe 30 minutes after everyone else. You know, sometimes you don't want to just like restart a conversation that's happened and is done, but some of these things will kind of be going on and off all day and those can be really fun, especially sometimes like a new person joins the thread and brings in a totally new perspective or a new angle that kind of like breathes new life into it and kind of gives everyone a new perspective. Nice. I also think there's something to the idea of seeing more people engage with something that then invites other people to engage with it. I would agree with that. Uh, It's definitely exciting to see a thread and it's not like, oh, it's empty and I'm the only one who's put a response in here. Uh, When there is a lot of back and forth, you can almost feel the excitement and that gets me hyped to keep it going. At a previous workplace in our Slack, we had a like virtual Jeopardy channel. And so there was a little Jeopardy bot. And I guess whenever someone, you know, had a lull in what they were doing, they would just start, you know, tagging the bot to pose a question and anyone can answer, right? But once you kind of got the ball rolling, you would see other people start playing as well. And it would get uh, really active for segments of, of 30 minutes or so. And I always really enjoyed that because, yeah, it was a way for me to remember like, oh, yeah, there's like other people also like typing away at their little keyboards and, and we're all here together. But it was really interesting to see like once someone got it rolling, like, oh, other people like joined in. Yeah, being able to see small things like that can really build a sense of connection, even if you're not yourself directly participating. Yeah, I think another thing I've been trying out lately is letting people know that I'm in a meeting space and offering to virtually co-work. So, you know, during the early days of when ThoughtBot went remote, we had a a lounge virtual meeting space for people to hang out with and, you know, get that FaceTime that they weren't getting anymore since we weren't in the office. And, you know, I think that has kind of decreased in terms of engagement over, you know, several years now. And obviously people have a lot of meeting fatigue and stuff like that, but I was kind of in a, in a mood to revive it a little bit because yeah, kind of got over the meeting fatigue and was wanting more FaceTime with people. And the unfortunate thing, though, was that like no one was showing up to this room anymore. So, you know, even if someone wanted to hang out in it, you know, they go in, they see no one's there, you know, maybe they stay for a few minutes, but then they're like, okay, well, I'm just going to to leave now. And a couple of ThoughtBotters and I have been trying to revive it where we'll post in our general channel, like, hey, like I'm in this meeting room, like come hang out for the next hour if you would like. And that's been working well for me. I have had a few like really nice lounge virtual co-working hangout sessions. Even if one person shows up, honestly, like that fulfills my my want to just like speak to another human. <laughs> what does virtual co-working look like? Are you just kind of each doing work, but you've got a, a video camera on and you're just aware of the presence of someone else? Do you kind of have like random breaks where you talk? What is the, that experience like? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. I have to say, for me, 
I'm just talking to the other person at that point, not really doing a whole lot of work. Uh, And, you know, in some ways, I almost think that like in those moments, I am really wanting to chat with someone and like, that's okay, right? It's like a virtual water cooler for you. Yeah, exactly. Like that would be the moment if I were working in office that I would wander into the kitchen looking for a snack, but also an unsuspecting victim to start a conversation with. (laughs) I feel you. I feel you. I have absolutely done that. Yeah, and that's actually what makes me feel a little less guilty about it because, you know, when I was working in the office, like that was such a big part of my day and it's kind of what kept me motivated. And at home, I do find myself like a lot more productive. Uh, in, in fact, like I think I am because I'm, you know, not spending that time wandering into the kitchen. But at what cost? <laughs> at the cost of like me feeling very like lonely and like kind of burnt out at the end of the day. So injecting my my day with some of these moments, I think is important to me. And also, again, like I know that I'm being really productive in my like heads down time that I want to, you know, allow myself to just like get that dose of connection. I know for me, when we were doing things like this in person as well, those conversations that happen, yes, there's some, you know, random frivolous stuff, but sometimes it is a conversation related to work that I'm doing because, you know, someone who's not on my project is like, hey, how's your project going or whatever? I'm like, oh, well, I'm you know doing this ODBC connection and I'm kind of stuck and, you know, kind of talk about a few things like, oh, did you know about this gym? And it's like, wait, why didn't I talk to you earlier? Because this totally solves my problem. Yeah, I think the being a sounding board is so valuable as well. So I, I guess I, I enjoy virtual co-working, not necessarily you know, us like sitting together and doing our work separately, though, I know that there's value in that, especially in real life. Like I remember reading an article, I'll try to find it and and link it. But the idea of just like sharing space with someone can be like a form of bonding. But I do really enjoy just hearing about what other people are working on and just kind of like asking questions about it, right. And maybe we do take away like a new perspective or like, have some, some insights about like, the work itself. And yeah, we, we don't really get that when we're working remotely by ourselves because there's no one to turn to and be like, hey, what do you think about this problem? I love how no matter what the topic is that we're discussing on this show, you always have a book or an article or something that you've read that you can reference. And I think that's amazing. Thank you. So you were talking about things that uh, have really helped you feel a deeper sense of connection. I had a realization recently about the power of physical items. In particular, as consultants, uh, sometimes we work with clients who, for security reasons, want us to work on a dedicated laptop for this particular client. And so we'll have clients maybe well, now that we're remote, uh, ship us a laptop and we work on that laptop when we're doing client stuff and then on our ThoughtBot laptops when we're doing ThoughtBot things. And when I've been on clients like that, I have felt much more isolated from the ThoughtBot team. Uh, And just like physically switching over to the ThoughtBot laptop all of a sudden gives me that feeling of connection. And there's something, you know, I can't quite explain about the power of the physical item and say, I am working on the ThoughtBot laptop today with the, you know, ThoughtBot Slack in the background or whatever. And I feel more connected to my colleagues. Yeah, that is really curious. Did you also have ThoughtBot communication channels open in your client laptop during that time? 
I did, and yet still felt more separation. Yeah, that's really interesting. I The way you're describing it, it was almost like, you know, the main laptop that you work with, with your, like, all of the settings that you like, all of your little shortcuts, you know, the autocomplete to the whatever, like, channels of communication that you are used to seeing. I, in some ways, that almost feels like home a little bit. And I wonder if, if working on a, a client laptop almost kind of feels like, you know, being in a stranger's house, right? There's definitely an element of that. Yeah, all little things I've fine-tuned, some of the productivity software I have on there that are just, you know, I can one by one set them up on on the client laptop depending on permissions. But yeah, it's never quite the same. So when you are in a situation where you're mostly working from a client laptop and maybe embedded in their Slack workspace, embedded in their team, how do you go about investing in, in connection with your client team? So you know what's kind of weird is that when I'm on a client laptop, I feel less connected to my colleagues at ThoughtBot. But the reverse is not necessarily true. I don't feel more connected to colleagues on a client team on a client laptop than I would on my ThoughtBot laptop. So I'm not exactly sure what the psychology is going on there. But I feel kind of most connected to both when I'm working on my ThoughtBot laptop, which is perhaps a bit strange. Oh, yeah, that is interesting. I think in general, there is an aspect of joining a new client team and trying to figure out the culture there and and how you might engage with it, right? And how what you bring to the table kind of fits in with how they do things and how they talk about things uh, and how they behave. In in some ways, it's kind of like, you know, an outsider joining this like in-group, right? So I've definitely realized that the ways that I engage and feel connected at ThoughtBot like may or may not work for the client team that I'm joining. Yeah. And onboarding onto a client team is not just a technical exercise, right? It's also a social process where you want to get to know the other people on your team get to sort of integrate into the way they work, their processes, hopefully build a little bit of like personal connection with individuals, because all of those are going to help me do my job better tomorrow and the day after and the week after that. Yeah, I had mentioned previously that one thing that I've been enjoying on my client team is our daily sync question. So a random question will be generated, uh, you know, like, what are you eating for dinner today? Or like, what are you looking forward to this weekend? And folks are able to share. And the fun thing is that sometimes the answer to the question is longer than their work update itself. But that is actually the, you know, the beauty of it, because we all just like get to laugh and get to, you know, chime in. I'm like, oh, yeah, like, that sounds delicious. Like what you're eating for dinner tonight. But like that would not work for our boost team sync because, you know, it's a much bigger meeting with sometimes up to, you know, 20 to almost 30 people. And like we can't quite have as much time spent talking about the fun question of the day. So I definitely think that, you know, it depends your team size and makeup and whatnot. Are those questions kind of preset or do you all get to contribute questions to the list? We brainstormed the questions one retro when we were realizing that we were kind of getting a little bored of the existing question that we had. And uh, we came up with a handful that is plugged into uh, like a, a, a website or like an app that randomly, you know, picks the question of the day. And so I think 
again, when we get a little bored of, of the ones that we have in rotation, we'll throw in some, some curveballs in there. Have you ever considered adding what's new in your world to this uh, rotation? It's funny you mentioned that because it's actually the question that we got a little bit stale on <laughs> that really? we needed to inject some new life into. Yeah, it's a classic, you know, but I think the variety is nice, especially since we're meeting almost every day. Yeah, yeah. And before we started recording, you and I were just talking about how even sometimes it's tough to think of something that's new in our world <laughs> because we don't always live the most interesting and you know, new lives. Uh, and sometimes we kind of have to, to dig deep to come up with something and we only meet weekly. <laughs> I can definitely see how doing this daily might be more challenging. I think there's also value in questions that are a little bit more focused. Part of what's fun for this podcast is that what's new in your world is so kind of broad, but maybe for something daily, uh, having something really specific, like what did you eat for dinner tonight? Uh, means that you aren't just kind of drawing blanks in your mind. Like, uh, uh, what is new in my world? What have I done? I don't know. I have a boring life. I don't do anything. Uh, kind of panic mode that you can sometimes get when you hit a meeting. And so I do know that when I've been sometimes in situations with people where you have questions like that, I've tended to really appreciate the more targeted ones. Yeah, that's so interesting you mentioned that because I think in social situations, there's usually maybe like someone who is really good at asking those like specific questions to get the group talking and like, you know, engaged in a fun conversation and that specificity helps. One thing that I was just wondering about is the value of meeting every day in a, a sync kind of format. And I'm curious if you think that is important to you, if you have been on other teams that don't meet every day, maybe they have like a virtual check-in, right? Like a, a virtual reminder to share what they're working on as opposed to meeting synchronously. I think I've seen sort of different purposes for sync meetings. Uh, sometimes it's very kind of project heavy, right? You're talking about the tickets you're working on for today. The reason you're having that is specifically for status updates or because you are blocked and you want somebody else to help unblock you. Uh, so it's very process focused. I think that varies team to team, but it can be really helpful. Even I've been on projects where it's like maybe me and one other person and we'll have kind of informal, just call each other up every morning and say, hey, here's what I'm working on today. Here's kind of roughly the uh, strategy I plan to take on it. And we'll go back and forth. And for something like that, it inevitably also somewhat turns into a bit of a social call. Uh, so that's planning and social. And I think that can be really strong. Yeah, I like that a lot. That's not necessarily going to be the case for every team, every project, especially with larger teams. And I feel like for something like the Boost team at ThoughtBot, we have a daily sync. We're not all working on the same project. So I don't want to know about the specific details of the ticket you're working on. I'm more interested in getting just a little bit of FaceTime with the whole of our team to feel connection. And, you know, maybe if you've got something cool that you want to share, and that can be a win, it could even be a struggle. Uh, and we can all kind of empathize, right? The like, oh, I dropped production database this morning, and I'm kind of freaking out is a totally fine thing to share. But I'm working on ticket one, two, three, four, to add some text to a part of the page. That's not particularly useful to me in the kind of sync that we have for the, the ThoughtBot Boost team. Yeah, absolutely. I think knowing 
like who the audience is of the, of the meeting and like how they might be able to support you or be there for you is is helpful in making them feel a little more relevant and personal. And I had mentioned that our boost daily meetings, our daily syncs, you know, are a little too big for people to really get into, you know, sharing a fun personal anecdote or, or whatever. But one thing that I really enjoy is that whoever goes last in giving their update gets to choose the sign off for everyone. So maybe that's like, okay, we'll just go out on a wave and we all wave, or maybe it's, you know, like making a, a little heart with your hands. Uh, and then there's some folks on the team who go really wild and, you know, come up with something totally unexpected. And I think, you know, that spontaneity is so fun. And we all share in this collective act of trying to think of a, a funny one lately, maybe like sinking down into your chair until you disappear from the view. <laughs> That's a good one. Sometimes it's those like small social rituals that can be really meaningful. Absolutely. Do you have a favorite sign off that you have either requested or have done? So I typically just go for the wave uh, if I'm last because I've not thought about it. But I generally think it's fun to have everybody try to mimic an emoji. So it might be like, oh, everybody do the, uh, you know, see no evil uh, emoji. Or everybody do the party parrot. Uh, those are pretty fun to sign off on. Oh, yeah. The, the posing is good. I think another one I like is everyone do your best impression of a tree. <laughs> Sometimes, too, it's fun to do something that's relevant to the particular day. If there's something special happening that day, you get something relevant. I've done before, if it's on a Friday, say everybody do your best Rebecca Black impression. Yeah, also excellent. Because, you know, it's Friday. Yeah, that little moment of collective celebration for the weekend. On that note, it's a Friday. We're recording this episode. Shall we wrap up and look forward to the weekend? <laughs> Fun, 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 fun. <laughs> show notes for this episode can be found at bikeshed.fm. This show has been produced and edited by Mandy Moore. If you enjoyed listening, one really easy way to support the show is to leave us a quick rating or even a review in iTunes. It really helps other folks find the show. If you have any feedback for this or any of our other episodes, you can reach us at underscore bike shed, or you can reach me at Joel Ken on Twitter. Or reach both of us at hosts at bikeshed.fm via email. Thanks so much for listening to The Bike Shed, and we'll see you next week. Bye! Bye. This podcast is brought to you by ThoughtBot, your expert strategy, design, development, and product management partner. We bring digital products from idea to success and teach you how because we care. Learn more at thoughtbot.com.